Good morning, GM podcast listeners. Hope you're well. A little announcement before we jump into this episode. If you're going to Art Basel, Miami at the end of November, I am throwing a party there with Drew Barman from Macau's Dow at one of the top 50 cocktail bars of the world. And I'll also introduce my speakeasy project that I'm working on called Maya. So if you want to join us, just DM me on Twitter at dmartinhue, that's T-H-E-M-A-R-T-I-N-H-Y-U to get an RSVP. And it is first come, first serve, so be quick as spots are filling up. All right, so for today's convo, I had my good friend Zar as well as his wife Martina on the show. Zar is a multimedia artist. He's been working in commercial photography for more than 15 years, and he is the creator of Classicality, a 1000 unique one of one NFT collection. Each NFT is digitally hand drawn with an emphasis on minimalistic lines, shapes and colors. Zar and Martina are both working together on the project. On her side, Martina wears many hats. She takes care of the market research, helps with community management and advises on the overall marketing direction of classicality. We've recorded this a couple of months back, but many of these subject matters are still as evergreen today. Our discussion covered topics such as minimalism, balancing work life and creativity, community building, IRLs, working with your significant other and much more. Very happy to share this with you today. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode with Zar and Mar. Zar, how are you, man? Good. How are you, Martin? Thank you for having me on your show. Thank you for taking the time. For me, it's a, it's a real pleasure. We planned this a couple of times already, and uh, it's cool to finally get to the recording session. You were at NFT NYC too, right? That was a great party, man. Uh, especially the Proof Collective one. And, and just, just, just meeting people in person is, is amazing. You know, this, we, we were connected to Discord and, and just like online chats and everything. Mm-hmm. And when you finally see the person and then you're like, oh, this is you. This is your avatar. This is your Moonbird. It's so fun. There's like so much energy. Speaking of fun, you just launched your project uh, and quite successfully. Congratulations on that. Classicality. Thank you very much. Yes. Thousand one on ones, thousand designs that I've done over a course of four months. Um, yeah, we had a very successful launch. I wasn't going to do discord at the beginning. And then with the amount of messages and everything, I was convinced that we should do a discord and we've done it. And now post mortem, you know, the whole launch is just the community of people that we have and just maintaining it and growing it. It's, it's a, it's a fun, it's a fun project. How is that by the way? Well, sometimes it's fun. Sometimes I'm like, oh, what do I do? Challenging. How do I answer this? Yeah. Like, how do I answer these questions? And and, uh, it's, it can be difficult at times trying to please everybody or, or at least in my mind, I feel like I have to please everybody and maybe that's not the best approach, but we just have to both me and my wife, because we're running the, the project together. We just have to kind of sit down and figure out, you know, obviously listen to what people have to say. A lot of people had a lot to say when we met them in New York, and that was great. So we take all the input, and then we just kind of sit down and decide, like, what's best for the community, what's best for the project, and obviously what's best for us. So it's a learning process, and sometimes it's more fun than other times, but in general, I really enjoy it because I get to really connect with the collectors. Mm-hmm. When 
in Web2, you know, because I've been painting for a while. So when Web2 is just Instagram and you just get likes and it's and that's it. Like you you just get likes and there's there's no conversation going. So this is really exciting to have the constant, you know, exchange of ideas. And So you were painting before? From what I know, um, you were initially a photographer, right? Like professional commercial photographer. Then like the pandemic hit and you got inspired to start painting in your studio. Can you tell us how all of that happened? And like, did you paint before that? Yes, you have a very good memory from when we talked last. That's exactly how it was. And I'm actually still a photographer. I haven't given that up. It's just I haven't been as busy as I was in before COVID. So... Yes, I've held a, I've held a studio in New York for about 15 years. Still like photography. Then COVID came and like I said, a lot of my business got shut down. I was unable to find employment. So I said, you know, hey, I have this studio here. I was always kind of fascinated by painting. I never done it. And I, I guess I spent too much time on Instagram looking at paintings and what other artists were doing. I said... I should try it. I mean, you know, it was a bit of a learning curve to with the paint because I didn't experience with didn't have much experience with it. But I just, you know, since I had time, I I, I kind of committed to it and then just end up being pretty cool. You know, uh, it was like it's still very similar to my photos. Now that I look at it, quite a few of my paintings look almost identical like my photos, and so are my, my NFTs. So it's all sort of the same vision. It's just a different medium. I just felt like paintings are a little more precious because it's only, it's only really like one you do of each and you do it with your hands versus with the camera. It's, it's a picture of something. So I felt like the paintings are a little more precious. So that's why I wanted to explore that. Uh, and I've done it for about, what is it, a year and a half maybe at this point. And, and people really liked it. So I, you know, I don't want it to really push it. I don't want it to really sell it. I don't want it to find agents or agencies or, or galleries. I just wanted to paint and put it out there and see what, uh, how people would react. Because mm-hmm. all my life, I've really pushed hard on photography, try to promote it, promote it, promote it, promote it. And I felt like I got burned after a while. So with this, it was just the sort of like, let's paint and put it out there and, and let's see what happens. I think we were talking about that last time, but like it's it's important as an artist to to always keep like an element of fun and playfulness in whatever you do. And I think when you do something for so long, let's say you've been doing photography for 15 years and you've been doing it commercially, it can get kind of tricky to disassociate the art from work. It, it can get tricky to just start a project just for fun because you're you're so bombarded with different projects about like oh this client is asking that this client is asking that at the end of the day you don't have any more time to just pursue your own passion and i think a shift like that to something like painting was perfect because you, you all of a sudden you you get to explore this brand new white space that you've never really played with before and now it's uh, it's just you know it's all fun from there it's all about creating yeah, absolutely. So I guess I actually should have done it earlier. I just didn't have the the capacity for it because I was so busy just focusing on photography, focusing on getting new clients and focusing on creating new work because I was doing a lot of work for myself as a photographer. Oh, were you? Awesome. Yeah, I was. I've always done, you know, you know, it's when I wasn't hired, I would go to the studio and shoot some photos that I felt like I liked and I felt like they were interesting. And that's 
then later I would try to, to show it to my existing clients. Like, Hey, we can do it this way. So this need for creating has always been there. I've never just worked when I was hired. I've done a lot of, you know, work on my own. So that kind of made sense with the paintings now, because it's really just doing stuff for your own. Mm -hmm. And how did you deploy your NFTs per se? Did you, did you work with someone that handled a smart contract or did you use like a service like Manifold or something like that? I decided to just do it on OpenSea because I am not, uh, I don't know much about coding. When I was first launching the collection, I was thinking mostly about my Web2 followers, my Instagram followers, people that are unfamiliar with the NFTs. And also I wanted to be just like a gallery sort of, so people could pick what they want. I felt that the Web2 collectors, they just wouldn't really understand how the minting works or why would you get something that you don't, you know, that you don't really see, you know, as with the minting, you, you kind of get it's a, it's a, you don't really know what you're going to get. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I just wanted to throw it into the gallery and then have it all out there and sort of be like easy for them to just, oh, I, I like this one. So I just picked this one. I also felt like OpenSea is great because you can allow for credit card payments. So that was another way for the web to people to just have it easier. And did you get feedback from trying to onboard web two people? I gave up. <laughs> I gave up. I've done, I've done everything I possibly could. I've, <laughs> I've offered free, free little graphs for anybody who would buy my NFT. You know, I would give them a free little graph. I've launched multiple stories on Instagram. I've reached out to people and I felt like maybe 10 people actually bought NFTs from my web tour. Everybody else already knew about NFTs. That, that's, that's the collectors who bought the classicality. So, I've done a lot to try to convince them. Uh, I even helped some of the collectors to get the ledger and explain it to them. But at some point I said, this is really difficult into just educating those people. Like if they don't want to know about it, there's not much you can do. So I kind of just put on a back burner at the moment. I'm not trying to push too hard on them. I feel like they just need to make that decision on their own, maybe within a few months or a year when things become a little more, you know, a little more adopted by mass population, then maybe these people will come back and say, okay, you know, maybe I can try now. Yeah. When, when like, you'll be able to buy an NFT on Instagram or something. <laughs> yeah. When, it, and when also, when everything settles, you know, when ETH is at like a more stable level, it doesn't, there's not, not as much of drops, you know, there's a lot of drops of the price. It's so volatile. There's a lot of bad press. But that's an interesting concept though, because, you know, to me, let's say, yeah, if, if you're getting onboarded onto ETH and you're buying ETH for really holding ETH, that's one thing. But when I think about it from like a collector's perspective, it's still just like a mental blockage because let's say I really like your work. I, I want to collect it. Well, there's no better way than actually buying the NFT right now, because per se, if you, if you convert it to dollars, you're, you're actually getting like an awesome piece for a better price. If, if you're getting on board into ETH right now, and you're also getting a little graph. So like, it's such an interesting concept they that's what it is man like we are into the crypto we are into the nfts and we we understand it more so we really believe in it uh, we both feel like it is the future we we both feel we feel, both feel strong about it and you really need that conviction at the stage that we are or where the nfts are because if i didn't have the earlier education in it and if my my brothers wouldn't convince me into it 
I'll be as skeptical as the rest of the population. Because when you pull back and look from like a sidelines, it is kind of sketchy, you know, like the prices go up so much. You just hear about these scams. What is this technology? How I do own something digitally? That, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know, I just had a conversation yesterday with my friend. We're here on vacation. They like own things digitally. I don't understand it, you know? So it's just so hard to wrap your hand around it. Like it's just, it's just going to need a little more time. So I'm, I'm, I put it, I was really pushing hard. And then I said like, don't do it. You did the same with the photography. You really tried something really hard. Some things are just going to happen and you just have to let them be. So yep. we just have to wait it out. We just need more time. Do you envision the future doing something uh, related to photography uh, as an NFT project or? Uh, not at the moment because my photography was always geared towards commercial mm -hmm. aspect. So I've never looked at my photography as fine art. So I think I'm going to try to keep it as it was. You know, it's just sort of uh, per hire you know, commercial artists. And then my paintings are more fine art. So it's not really per hire. So I don't think I'm going to do photography. Uh, I'm enjoying just doing the paintings and NFTs that are relating to my paintings. Photography is uh, like a whole different medium to mm -hmm. me. I remember like, I think in our last talk, you mentioned that eventually you would want to like organize some IRL events for your collectors. Is that still on, on your mind? I actually was lucky to do the reveal of my collection at, in the gallery. Mm -hmm. Crypto Citizens. I don't know if you heard about them. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, so they do, a lot, they do a lot of minting around, uh, around the world. Thousand citizens in each city. And they have a gallery in New York. And one of the perks that they offer to the, if you hold their token, is you are able to come to their gallery and show your work. They do like these artist spotlights. And I've been going together for a while and they're like, yeah, I've heard you, you know, you want to release your collection, you can do it here. So that was the first IRL event I did with the, uh, with my, with my NFTs, but I'm, I've had this event set up for the, for the NFT NYC at my studio. And then just everything got so busy. I felt like there was no slot with all the events going on in New York. So I, I kind of decided not to do it anymore, but I, I'm thinking of doing an IRL event at the studio. Mm -hmm. Kind of in between the big events, you know, not like in the middle of NY NFT NYC, because it seems like it's so busy and there's already a giant event going on that everybody is like, can only do so much focus. They can do it to this event, this event, like, uh, yeah, it was wild. What was it? Like five, five events a day. <laughs> like I was already <laughs> tired. And then you have to like convince me, well, we come to my studio for a bit. Yeah. So I feel like we, we both feel like with my wife that it's better to do it on a, like almost like off season. When, and when there's nothing going on in New York as far as NFTs goes and then say, Hey, you know, we're going to do something here in the studio, maybe do like an art walk with, cause it's, I'm pretty close to all the art galleries. So I, I will be inviting people to my studio. Definitely. I feel like a lot of them want to learn more and just see how I, you know, see my studio and see how I work and maybe see the actual paintings as well. Cause that's what I'm trying to uh, combine NFTs with, with the physical paintings. How have you seen your community evolve from Web 2 to Web 3? What did you observe as an artist going from, like, let's say, Instagram, having a community there and then launching your Web 3 project and having community on Discord, on Twitter? Like, what was your experience with all that? I actually love my NFT community a lot more because, because I actually speak with them, you know, like we, we exchange ideas versus what... IG was just exchanging likes. Like I either like somebody's <laughs> post and somebody like my post 
And that's it. There is no more really conversations. There's no more sharing of anything. And then in Web3, I constantly talk with the, the my community. I had an issue the other day. I was trying to, like, I needed to do a snapshot of the wallets that purchase uh, classicality at a certain day. And then since I'm not all that technical, I wasn't sure how to do it. I was just going to do it manually. And one of the people, one of my collectors is like, hey, just use this tool and go here. And I'm like, wow, this is great. Like, you know, people yeah. already helped out. So it's just this, like, now I feel like it's uh, what I like to call a, it's a collective ownership of the art. And everybody wants to, for everybody else to do well. So we just help each other out. You lift each other up. Like, you lift each other up. And mm-hmm. it's, it's like life. It's growing. Like, it's every day you have these ideas or maybe you should do this or should do that. Like, well, let's check what the community thinks. Like, the other day, for example, and there's an NFT wall when there's an, and one wall in, in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, when artist does graffiti of the NFTs. It's like a famous wall. And I've got hold of that artist and I said, maybe you could paint my NFT out there. And then I said, let's ask the community, what do they think about it? You know, so you can do these. Oh, yeah, I remember you can that. Just put, yeah, you can just put it out there like, hey, guys, what do you think? We should do it or we should not do it. And then, you know, it's just it's just fun. <laughs> so you're not making the decisions. The whole community is not making decisions. And I just, like, I went with what people wanted. It's way more interactive. It's crazy because um, myself, like coming from a marketing background, like obviously we still use anything that's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. We still use all these Web2 centric platforms that emerge from Web2. Twitter is different because obviously like that's where a lot of the Web3 stuff is happening now. But when you look at Twitter, when you look at Discord, just the the Web3 community, it's just a different level of engagement. Like you really see that people care. And people really want to engage with you and they want to go on in deeper conversations. On Instagram, it's exactly what you're saying. It's just <laughs> in exchanging likes like, oh, nice, nice photograph, you know. And I tried so hard, my friend, <laughs> to go on Instagram and just like try to engage now. And it, it's just like you're hitting a wall, literally hitting the wall. The, the Instagram is not set up that way. It's not for you to converse within each other. You just do likes and goodbye. That's the weird part. Like with a lot of our clients at the agency, we try to go the extra step of like, you know, somebody leaves a comment, let's say it's a restaurant and they post a picture of like their fried chicken, let's say. And somebody comments like, wow, that looks so good. Like even when somebody really leaves a comment, like, oh, that looks delicious. Well, somebody like a social media manager would be tempted to say, Oh, well, did you try it? Like, uh, it was, uh, by the way, like we're, we have a new special on the menu or something. And most of the time there's just no response. There's maybe they like the comment, you know? I know, I know. So it's just fascinating to be able to experience both and like find yourself. Where do you fit better or where you think it, where do you think it's going? So, and it's definitely with web three. I also feel like people are more genuine for some reason. They're like nice. Hello. Sorry. <laughs> Hello. They're, they're, I felt like people are so much nicer in web three and they actually want to help you. And somebody explained it to me. It's just because we're so early. I feel like it's just everybody around that I meet that are it's that's web three is just so helpful. Like they just want to help or want to be part of it. Or they really, you know, interested in how are you doing? And then, you know, Instead of like, oh, well, you did this, I don't have it, which I think comes from the likes because a lot of those posts are fake or they seem fake and you have this idea of like, okay, well, this person is happy, he's traveling or he's doing all these things when this is maybe not the reality. 
versus when Web3, when we talk, we actually get to know each other. And like by talking, there's more conversation, there's more interaction, like actual interaction. So you get to know people. And I feel like that's how you really uplift each other versus just pretending like you have something and you want that attention for it. Well, you bring up a good point, which is that this is the early stages when anything early, usually there's a more curious energy behind it. Like the platforms, it was the same with like Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, right? Like when, when these platforms just started, everybody was paying attention. You know, if, if you sent a message on Facebook or, or you commented on someone's wall, everyone was really engaged. Everyone was paying attention because we were not bombarded with like 10,000 pieces of content every second. I think with Web3 right now, that's the sweet spot of it. And that's what I really enjoy uh, being part of this community right now is that they, everyone is just genuinely interested in learning more. We're all curious. No, nobody, like nobody is so such an expert that like, we don't want to learn. Everything is so gradual and the space shifts so quickly. There's so many different things happening. I feel like, a, you know, there's this uh, old saying now in the space, but like a day in NFT land like, is like a year because so many things happen. Like ETH could be at 2000 today and then next day it's like at 1500 and then there's 5000, like there, there's like 50 projects that minted yesterday. And now, you know, we're on a new trend of like projects that are free mint, like that didn't exist really last year. And now there's a different dynamic to that, but blue chips stay. And then like all that stuff is, is so hard to wrap your head around. So you always have to stay on the edge of it. That's true. You know what else that I like about this, um, this web community and everything, which I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation is that we converse via just online chats and we're in this Twitter and we're already exchanging a lot of ideas. There's constant communication going. So when you go to the IRL event and you meet with the same people, the energy is insane. So on top of my project, I mean, I dropped it. Everything is good. Like, you know, it's sold out. I'm super happy with it. But these days I really enjoy like organizing those meetups. Oh, it's awesome. Cause I feel like, you know, I've met, we're, we're currently in Portugal. I've met people in an NFT NYC that were from Portugal. I sent a message to them. Hey, I'm going to Portugal. And one of them was saying, oh, you can stay in my house. I'm like, that's, that's too nice. That's too nice. I mean, like this is, this is the kind of like the community that's in NFTs these days. You know, people are so nice. I already managed to like put 10 people together in Portugal. Some are Portuguese, some are that are just reside here. So I'm just really excited about organizing these events now. Like just having those people that I talk online with, meet them in person. You get in these rooms, you talk with them and like four or five hours just like goes like this. You're like, oh wow, we've been here for this long. Yeah. Everybody's just like sharing ideas. Oh, I like this. I like, what do you think about that? Like it's, it's incredible, man. It's absolutely incredible. I agree. In NFT NYC, the amount of times that I met someone and then they introduced themselves by their real name. And then I'm like, oh, what's your Discord username? And then they, t- they say it. And I'm like, oh, you're, you're the person I've been chatting with, like on, on Proof or exactly. on Moonbird's Discord for like so I long. Know. This is incredible. I don't even like, I don't like say, I don't care about your name. Just give me your, give me your Discord name. Like your real name <laughs> is not interesting. Just give me your Discord or your Twitter so I know who you are, you know, because that's how I interact with you in the past. It'd be awesome in the future if you have like some sort of way to connect your 
your IRL identity with like some, your Discord username or like a, your Twitter profile picture. And then, you know, as you walk around, people just see it and you're like, they're like, oh, that's you. You know, that, that'd be awesome. I'm sure there's going to come up with it. Um, talking about Discord, if there's going to be a Discord, what do you think about that? Uh, something needs to be done with it. It's a great platform, but... High rise? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've heard that before. I'm not sure. I mean, it's, it's the reason I didn't want to have Discord at the beginning. Just because I was so afraid of uh, people getting scammed. Yeah. Like, you know, we both are pretty deep in NFTs, but it's so easy even for us to get scammed. So imagine those newcomers, you know, people that are just coming from Web2, my followers, and, and they get scammed on my Discord. And I'm the one who's responsible for it. So I would love to, you know, the platform is great. It's just, just needs some kind of a more security. I'm not really sure how to do it. I'm not the right person for it either, but... It's it's just interesting how that will develop and when we're going to get with that because without Discord, like NFTs wouldn't really, you know, that's a, such an integral part of, of the, the NFT world. Yeah, I agree. And and I think we need to give the flowers to, to the platforms that got us to where we're at. And Discord is definitely one of those platforms that really shaped the NFT community, the Web3 community. I think as we move forward, we, we will need something that, to your point, is more secure is more intuitive to use because even now, like as I use my discord, like, of course I know how to navigate it, but the, the issue is that the amount of projects that you have to join their discord and you have to, you know, you have to verify there. And like, it, it's too much for like, even for someone that's really deep into NFTs, I find it's too much. So I can only imagine someone like, let's say my dad, you know, like <laughs> you ask him to go on discord. He's going to be like, what the hell is this stuff? Like, this is anarchy. It's crazy. Like you're, you're, you're getting pings every two seconds and like, uh, you're getting random DMS and you know, by the way, everyone listening to this, there's no reason to have your DMS turned on. <laughs> like, you know, just get DMS from friends. Uh, and that's it. Cause, uh, you never know when someone can send you like a random link. It's so stupid because you don't even have to consciously be clicking it. If you're just like randomly, I don't know, you, you touch something, you, you, you're navigating your mouse and then something is lagging a bit. And then a window opens a conversation that you didn't want to open opens. And then you randomly click on that link. Well, then all of a sudden you're exposing yourself to all this stuff that like people uh, exploit on the web three platforms it can happen so fast. Uh, I'm in one of the chats with my friends from uh, Europe that I actually met on NFT NYC and one of the guys just got scammed. And I think it was like a wag me link or something and click, click on it and then approved it and boom, he just lost like five moonbirds and everything. So I oh, tried man. to, I try to not to uh, really converse on discord on my desktop i only do conversing on my iphone because i don't do any nft trading or any, any crypto trading on my iphone so i feel like that's safer on the computer i try not to do it but still it seems like it's pretty ridiculous that you know you have to be so careful i agree these days you know even if even if you if like a sort of a veteran in a space you still have to like even you know the proof discourse gets hacked by a proof or it gets hacked like how these normies will gonna how they're gonna join the space when it's so scary and so easily you know you can get scammed out of things so this needs to get fixed and that's gonna take a little bit of time that's why you know we just need to be patient for we just need a little more patience with everything circling back to classicality i had a question about the actual collection and how it looks like so your 
The point was to make a thousand unique pieces that they look like generative art, but they were really hand painted, right? Yes, they're, they're exactly. I, I always loved the, the look of generative art, but I just I decided to do it by hand individually. I didn't want to rely on the computer code. I wanted to rely on my mood. I just, you know, whatever I was coming into the studio, I was in a certain mood. So I would just do the lines in certain ways. And obviously I want each piece to be different than the other. I broke it down to, what is it, five or six categories divided by color. You know, there's like black, blue, green, orange, white. And then there's some gradient for the very last 25, like the gray ones. Did you draw inspiration from something particularly? Because you said like some of them actually look like your photographs. Um, so it's just like my minimal vision. Like they've always had like the, my love for minimalism and, and geometry. So I even, I photograph things that way. Some of the personal work that I've done, it's always been minimal and very simple and, and pretty much like as basic as you can get with things just to sort of, create the mood and then and, and like this, this monumentalism about subject. I've done it all in Photoshop. I felt like if I did it in a, an illustrator, everything would be super perfect. The curves would be perfect. Uh, the angles and triangles and whatnot. I just went in Photoshop and just start drawing lines. And then I would like cut some of them and then just move it around. So even though most of the pieces feel like they're symmetrical, they really not. Uh, I just wanted to have this human element to it. So it, so it feels like somebody actually moved those pieces by hand. And, uh, and I feel like I was able to achieve that. When you go through the collection, you can see like it's, it, it's very, you know, symmetrical, but it, it's not at some point. So it does have the human touch. What themes do you pursue as an artist? And by themes, I mean, like, what kind of emotions do you want to elicit? Because you're, you're talking about minimalism, but as an artist, is there something you want to communicate specifically with those, with that minimalism? I think it's just, a, I've always felt like simplicity is the best approach to, to life, basically. You know, I feel like if you, if you simplify your life, if you just really focus on a couple of those things that really matter, then you're going to be happier. So it took me years to realize why am I doing my art certain way? And it's always been about that. I've done the art this way. And then I realized, Hey, I'm also doing the same with my life. So to answer your question, it's kind of just like to me, and then what Leonardo da Vinci said, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. So I guess my quest always been to, to simplify and be happier by, having less. That's beautiful. Can you give me an example of how that actually happened in your life? Are you into minimalism, like uh, of, of like your lifestyle and all that? And do you simplify, let's say what you wear or all that stuff? I'm just genuinely curious. I think I can give you an example. Like, for example, you know, you simplify what you eat. Uh, I feel like a lot of people are, their mind is in there is in a cloud somewhere. They're like, Oh, I would like this. I would like to be happier. I want to be like that person. And they don't really start with what's in front of them. Mm. The mess in your room is the first thing you should clean up. If you want to be happy, like just organize your life around you, you know, so you can see clearly. And this goes with food like you don't realize, but if you eat, you know, food, that's not, you know, healthy, you're not going to feel good. So, like start with what's really close to you, organize that. And then this will compound 
And I'm sure that, you know, in, in my example, I've known now that that's how I function and that's how I, I'm content and I don't really need much. I realize like, okay, well, I have this, I have a place to live. I can feed my family and that's it. I don't need more to be happy. Mm-hmm. So that's how I would uh, translate the simplicity into my life. Just focusing on those few things that know is going to make you happy and just being content with that. Not needing extra this, extra that, extra that. Like you don't need it. You think you need it, but it's not really what's, what's going to make you happy. And content. I think we we seek out those extra things as an excuse not to deal with the simple things that we should be dealing with right now. Like you were saying, the most basic thing you can do is clean your room, keep your workspace clean. All that stuff is so easy to do. It's right in front of us. And I'm looking at a at a pretty cluttered desk right now, and I know I should be cleaning it, you know. And and I'm like, it's always like we put it off, and we think that like we need to go search for something else to make us more productive, make us more happy, make us more fulfilled. But a lot of times the answer is super simple. And it's in front of you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and it's right in front of you, but you don't realize it. Like it took me a long time too. Like I had, a, I had severe anxiety for a few years. And then I realized it's because the place that I was living in, I moved to a different place. And sometimes it's not that easy to be aware of these things unless you go through them. And unless you see and you start making changes, then you realize like, okay, well, like this, you know, this, this would probably help if I try to do this rather that. But that's what I'm trying to even tell my kids is the same thing. It's just like, it's not that easy with the kids, right? Cause they're little, but I'm going to try to teach them just to simplify everything around you. You don't need a lot of things to be happy. Seriously. You only need a few things, but you have to realize it and you have to seek out what's going to really make you happy. Yeah. And, and once you find that, you're going to be content. And that's all you really need to be is just content with what you have. That's where the happiness comes from. But to me, and what I've been showing through my art is just less is more. I mean, less is always more. Unless when it comes to money, which is another funny joke that another artist made. Like I always thought less is always more. And then he said, (laughs) less is always more unless it's about the money. So now I can't use that anymore. (laughs) You know, that's so can't use, can't use that line anymore. I used that line for the longest time. The things that really matter in life, it is true that it's, you don't need that much of it. And it's the same thing. Let's say we're talking about family. We, you find a, a partner that's close to you and that one person that can really trust and they're always there and they always show up for you. That's someone that you, you can build your entire life with. You mentioned you work alongside with your wife, Martina, for the project. So can you describe like how she's really an essential pillar? For you, and uh, how 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 do you describe her actual role? Well, she's a, she's really good. She's after uh, marketing school. She worked in the advertising agency for a while. So now that I've uh, I've listed, I mean, I've dropped the collection. We've worked together on on marketing, and she's she's in charge of that part. You know, she studies other projects. She studies the space. We we've been into NFTs together for you know what has been six months, which seems like forever. Or, or maybe like eight months now. So, you know, mm-hmm. so we've done everything together. So she's just good, like observing everything from the outside. So she just sort of uh, listens to everything, reads everything, and then uh, comes up to me and then like gives, gives me her ideas of like, okay, well, we should, that, this is the parts that we should adjust or change or improve. Sometimes I get caught up so much in what I talk and how I create. It's good to have this person that's like watching everything from the sidelines and then say, we think about this and how about, you know, we go with this way or 
I think this would be innovative if we do this with your project. So she's just all around, the eyes on everything in, in, in the back. Awesome. Well, we, we should actually get her on. We'll actually clip this and uh, the next segment is actually going to be the interview with Martina. Yeah, super excited to, to have Martina here, Zar's wife. You work alongside Zar, right? Yes, yes. Um, so Zar is the artist and my role is to look after the overall image of the brand. Can you describe to us like your role? What does that entail like on a day to day basis? Very curious about that. Sure. So I focus on the marketing part and curate ideas. I do a little bit of market research and follow the trends and see how can we bring in something to, uh, to the collection and curate ideas together. So my, my background is actually in marketing and advertising, and I've spent almost a decade working at a media agency prior to taking time off to raise our three sons. When Zara started working on the Classicality collection, we just quickly realized that this would be a perfect project where we could combine our skills and start working together. And at first, when you heard about NFTs, were you skeptical? Like, was he the person that was in it before you and then you got onboarded? Or was it the other way around? We both heard about NFTs at the same time from one of Zara's brothers. And once we heard about them, uh, did a little bit of research and we just jumped in right away and saw an opportunity to be part of it in the early stages. And we were just blown away by the welcoming and generally communities that come with it. And did it come right away to Zara and also to yourself to think about creating a collection? Or was it something that like, as you saw what was being done in the market, you thought, well, we can actually create something together. Yes, exactly. So uh, with Zar being the artist already, he's a photographer, but also a painter. And his paintings are a transition into the NFT collection and just made perfect sense to take it a step further and be part of uh, this community and drop a collection. What's the most challenging thing about working with Zar? Um, I'd say it's probably finding the common ground, uh, since our vision is similar, but we have very different personalities. Zara is the go-getter and he does things right away there on the spot. And I need a bit more time to think things through before I make a decision. I need to analyze a little bit and observe and don't trust my gut as much as Zara does. That's a perfect balance. Yes, exactly. He's more the do it now and worry later. And I'm the opposite. Worry now and <laughs> do it later. But with my, you know, my, my research and analysis, I validate his decision and we both agree on it at the end. So take us through like what that kind of looks like a market research how do you even start like do you you're browsing the the you know the nft collections and you're getting the sentiment of what the market is like and then i guess like uh, I'll, I'll let you uh, describe it uh yes exactly so it's uh going through basically news uh going through news seeing what other artists are doing uh, what people are saying, figuring out what they might want. And with the classicality, we wanted to create something that's timeless since uh, we both share similar aesthetics and we're very drawn into the minimal approach, the minimal art and the less is more approach to life. Mm -hmm. We decided to create something that will still be attractive with time. So for the people listening to this, so classicality is... It's hand-painted NFTs that look like generative art. When did that idea come about? Because basically, I'm sure you, you did some market research and you probably saw that 
oh, uh, you know, there's this thing that's called generative art. Like it seems to be something that people have a lot of interest in it. And there's, there's a lot of it that also looks quite appealing to the visual eye. Like I, I love uh, looking at great generative mm -hmm. art. What, what was like the decision to say, oh, well, we're not going to be someone that codes this. We're, we're going to make our own. That's because we don't have those skills <laughs> yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, it gives uh, the artwork uh, a little bit of human touch because nothing is perfect to the end. It's not, uh, it's not repetitive. That's what's interesting is that at the end of the day, when you see the output, it's either speaking to you or it's not. Right. And regardless of if you're using generative art or traditional painting or any type of medium, if you have a, an output that you're happy with, I think as an artist, that's kind of what you want to aim for. Yes, we are still blown away at the positive response we got with the drop. We're very grateful. Do you have uh, any tips for working together as a couple? Um, I think open communication is key. You know, it's just like with the standard relationship stuff, the trust, respect, patience, and also have an open mind to other opinions and ideas. Mm -hmm. And how do you keep an open mind? How do you give critical feedback uh, to your partner without necessarily um, you know, seeming like you're against them or you're disagreeing with them? I start with positive feedback first. I think that's so important since so much work was already put in and you don't want to crush the enthusiasm right away. So go mm -hmm. over all the good and then transition into what can be improved for the next round. And don't only correct, but also bring in ideas of how can this be done. Then the feedback turns into a brainstorming session and the desire for improvement is still there. For you personally, what are you most excited about in the NFT space right now? I think like a lot of us are um, excited about the opportunities it presents, not only to the artists, but also to members of the communities. And I'm also very excited to see how the NFT space will blend into the mainstream. It will be fun to watch. And funny story, my son uh, once went to, up to his art teacher and he asked him if he knows what NFT is. <laughs> and he said, I know what it is. It's a non-fungible token that lives on blockchain. And the art teacher told him like, are your parents telling you these funny stories? So it definitely has a way to go. <laughs> Did you um, get to assist any of uh, NFT conferences yet? Not assist, but I was lucky to attend uh, with Zara the Proof and Moonbirds events during NFT NYC and also the small get togethers before and after the events. Mm -hmm. I think those smaller meetups were so beneficial. I was able to connect with some of the members on a deeper level and form relationships. And we are definitely taking example of the Proof Moonbirds community because now uh, that we are vacationing in Portugal, we organized a Proof and Moonbirds meetup in Lisbon last week. We had a great turnaround and it was so nice to meet new people in this space and everybody's just so generally nice. That's so awesome. Did you do like restaurant and, and drinks or like how, how did that meetup go? We strategically picked a location right in front of our apartment since we had the kids uh, sleeping there <laughs> and Zar's dad was watching them. So that that worked out and uh, it was just drinks outside in a little cafe. And then um, we went to another bar for another drink before going home. It was very nice. Nice time. 
I'm really surprised at how the NFT space brought people together in some way. It was a, it was a funny timing because obviously with the pandemic and everything, it uh, everyone got more apart in some way. But I felt like the NFT space for for me personally, but I know for a lot of people, was the space where you got to reconnect on a deeper level with other people around you. Not necessarily in the same city, not necessarily in the same, you know, in the same local neighborhood, but the fact that you could build a connection and then meet up six months later at NFT NYC or like Proof or Moonbirds. I think that was a very special. Knowing what you know now and having helped Czar with his project, are you thinking of doing that more often and with other projects? Or are you thinking about launching something personally? We are still building our brand and our toying with some IRL meetup ideas for the collectors. We would love to reinforce those relationships and give back uh, to our collectors. I was thinking about maybe doing an art crawl that will finish with visiting Zard's studio. That's just one of the ideas. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, we will focus more there. As for personally, I also do photography, but never took it to the professional level. So we'll see. We'll see if the time will be there <laughs> for that. Yeah. I mean, uh, that, that's. I think that's the struggle that each person has. We just need like a couple of more hours in a day. <laughs> yes. Yes. Launching an NFT project is very demanding as someone that has done it as well. Like it is super hard uh, to keep communication super clear and, and to always be there for your community. So how are you balancing that and also your regular life with, you know, being a, a wife, uh, a, a mom with kids? Uh, is that something that's been challenging? And uh, how are you, what are some things that you're doing to make it easier? Yes, it's definitely been challenging. Zar had his time at the studio and I spent the last seven years at home raising the kids. Um, but the youngest one, the third one, is finally going to school this starting this September. So I'll have the day to dedicate to, to working with Zar. Wow, that's awesome. Yes. So it must be a quite a feeling. <laughs> yes, it will be a, a new life, a new me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm excited about that. Otherwise, you know, before uh, the balancing was hard, but we, we did a lot of late nights. That's, you know, that's the only way after you put the kids to sleep, you have to do the work. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really enjoyed our conversation and hope to see you guys soon. Thank you. And thank you for this. Uh, it was nice chatting with you. And hopefully we get to see each other when we're back in New York. Thank you, Martin. That was great chatting with you. Hope uh, you have a great Sunday and we'll definitely see you soon. That's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please consider leaving a review for me. Um, it's always super helpful to get that kind of feedback uh, of what I'm doing right, what I could improve. And uh, so if you can take 13 to 35 seconds of your time to share some thoughts with me, I really appreciate it. Thank you again for listening. And uh, until next time.